Hello, listeners. This is The Critic. Just to let you know, our interviews with Courtney Hunt and with Ty West and James Ransone in this episode are highlights. If you want the full interviews, please visit our website, whywatchthat.com. In addition, if you want to hear our full conversation with Lawrence St. Victor about We Heart 80s movies, visit whywatchthat.com as well. Those interviews and We Heart 80s movies will be on the site in a few days. On this episode of Why Watch That... Seance stuff. That's where she should have... No, no. no. (laughs) Hold your horses. He is the ultimate HR employee. He's the guy you want to negotiate conflicts. (laughs) How is that different from preparing to play a TV character? Time. (laughs) He got wind of it and convinced me that he was as sinister as this character really is. He'd be like, no, I really am. Someone has filed child support, and he had no idea. Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. That. Presented by Dynamic Network. Oh, why watch that sneak peek? Guess what, listeners? Critic got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie, Ouija, which, of course, you know the referee did not go see. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Why didn't you see that? No (laughs) way, Jose. So anyway, it's opening up this weekend, this Friday, the 21st, and they're looking to scare you out your pants before Halloween. (laughs) Scare you out your money. Scare you out your money. But the question is... Did they or didn't they? Now, again, this is Ouija, Origin of Evil. And uh, we see people bending over backwards, possessed, and talking to the dead. Listen, I don't want any part of it, but go ahead and tell us about it. (laughs) Well, that's the movie. We're done. Now, look. (laughs) Uh, So this is a sequel. We shuttle back from the first film, if you've seen it. I have not. But if you've seen it, we go back 50 years, essentially. To 1967. So, you know, it's a period piece. And I like that in horror movies. I do like the period piece. Look, you know, we got the wigs. We got the clothes and all of that. We got the vintage cars. And they do a nice little shot with that. So, um, the story is Elizabeth Reeser plays um, Alice Zander. She's a, a single mother with two daughters. Her husband, her daughter's father is dead. He dies before this starts. Okay. So he's already dead. Uh, Her older daughter is in high school. Her younger daughter is elementary school, I assume. So those two daughters are Paulina, the older, Doris, the younger. Now, she has to get some money to raise these kids. So what she does is uh, the standard fake seance stuff. People come into the home. It's all rigged. That's where she should have... No, no. Hold hold your horses now. Okay, so... (laughs) In the very beginning of the film, Ref, 
that's what we see, the whole thing, the whole performance. And let me tell you, that was one of the best moments of the film, that opening. I mean, it was showmanship at its best, and I really enjoyed it. So, And then what they do after they show you is they show you how they did all of the stuff. So we know this is fake going in. However, her older daughter goes to a party, sneaks out, and Uh-oh. there's a Fiji board game there. See? No. Mm-mm. Now, the older daughter, because the daughters are involved in the seance bit, the whole business, so they know what's going on. The older daughter tells them, oh, this is fake, whatever. So they go through it, and we get the jump scare. But this leads to the family, the Xanders, getting their own. The mother brings in her own Ouija board. She sees it in a store to enhance her performance. She says, okay, this is one way to make money. The younger daughter has some sort of affinity with this Ouija board, and she really starts connecting to spirits. Because the thing is, everybody, she's connecting, supposedly, with her dead father. With no, see. Alice's dead husband. Let the dead be dead. Yes. Now the question is, is it him for real or not? Is it some other entity or not? Is it all fake? Or is it all entities possible coming through? And we know what happens. Now, that's enough. I don't need to tell you anything more about the story. Let's get right down to it. The actors. I liked the cast. Just so you know, everybody, Henry Thomas, if that name sounds familiar, he was the kid in E.T. And he plays the priest who's the principal of the girl's school. Yes. So, you know, he gets involved. Okay. And he's not actually a doubting Thomas. Oh, you like that, don't you? He's not a doubting Thomas. Yes. You're so clever. So there you go with that. So I, I like the cast. And Elizabeth Reeser, if you look her up, you'll go, oh, her. You've seen her if you watch TV. She works a lot. So solid cast. The beginning, I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was rhythmic. I thought it was just the classic, you know, horror thing. The middle, we started getting into territory for me where it was just lagging. I I thought that the middle was a little weak. Um, I understood it. I think they could have moved it forward a little faster. And then we get to the end. Okay, here we go. At the end, you get every, every horror movie trope you can expect. You get the insane <laughs> asylum, you get the crawling on the walls, you get the big mouth, you get the possession, you get the people dying, you get everything you can think of in the span of probably 25 minutes. And that's when it completely lost me because I thought it was completely ridiculous. I was laughing at the screen. Okay, so that's <laughs> And you know, I like, I actually like horror movies. I don't mind them if they're good. So here's my suggestion to all of you. If you're going out to the movies to see it, you're not going to hate it. But make sure you go with a lot of people you know. Make sure the audience is packed. That's what you want. You want people laughing. You want people jumping with the jump scares and all of that experience. Don't watch it at home alone because it's just not enough for that. If you're going to watch it at home eventually, get a bunch of your friends together and do it that way. So that's my suggestion. Otherwise, there are other horror movies that came out this year. That'll give you uh, more bang for your buck. Well, Ouija Origin of Evil comes out this Friday again, October 21st. It is PG-13. If you really want to dare to bring your children, well, you know the ref won't be doing that anytime soon. (laughs) But we will say if you want to get spooked or enjoy um, the spookiness of Halloween, you can check that out this Friday.
Another why watch that sneak peek. Hey, listeners, the critic and I got a chance to see a sneak peek at the new movie coming out this weekend called Keeping Up with the Joneses. And it's released by 20th Century Fox this Friday nationwide. And it's going to be the nice alternative that you're going to be looking for as far as comedy goes. Yeah. Here's why. Well, directing is Greg Matala, and it's written by Michael Lussure, which is French. <laughs> and also, it stars John Hamm, the very familiar John Hamm, Wonder Woman herself, uh, Gal Gadot. And it also stars Isla Fisher and Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis. Now, Again, I said this is going to be the comedic alternative that you're going to be looking for this weekend, and here's why. Oh, well, everybody keeping up with the Joneses, you know that's some neighbors. But here's the thing. We got Zach Galifianakis. We got Isla Fisher. They're married. They're sending off their kitties to summer camp. It is June, and they have the house to themselves. But what are they going to do with that? Are they going to have a romantic liaison? Are they going to oh, watch? I doubt it. Yeah, are they going to watch The Good Wife or DVR? I think it's the latter. But what interrupts their staycation is neighbors moving in in the form of John Hamm and Gal Gadot. Oh, they're picture perfect. They do the wonderful romantic kiss when they're moving in, you know. And the thing is this, they're wonderful neighbors. Oh, yes, they come over, introduce themselves. John Hamm gives them a nice gift in the form of some glass. You got to see that. But Isla Fisher, mm mm-mm, something smells funny. She goes, I don't quite trust these people. And she finds John Hamm snooping around their house. Uh-oh, Why? uh-oh. Why? Because Mr. Zach works at a major company that's dealing with aeronautics. It deals with defense as well. But he's the HR manager. Oh, yeah. So he's not, he has nothing to do with the technology. And we have the comedy from that. So the thing is, is John Hamm up to no good? Is he trying to exploit Zach Galifianakis for his own ends. What are they up to? And how will all of this resolve? Now, everybody, this is a comedy. Okay. It is. It is. And you're going to, you know how it resolves, but we're not going to tell you. No. So, I mean, that's enough of that story. I would, I want to hear from you, Ref. I really do. Well, listen, I'll tell you right now, it was a wonderful surprise. We're sitting in the theater in our screening room and laughing out loud literally laughing at my peak hot note laugh (laughs) where I had to calm myself down. And why, why is that? Because Mr. Zach, who plays the uh, character Jeff, he'll win you over not only with his comedy, but he has some pretty amazing heartfelt moments. He is the ultimate HR employee. He's the guy you want to negotiate conflicts. (laughs) And he does that throughout the movie. And he does wonderful improv. Thoroughly enjoyed him. Isla, who I I don't have a lot of experience watching her, only a a select few things. She also goes toe-to-toe with the improv and also is quite convincing as the Snoopy, Snoopy wife. I really bought them as a couple. I really enjoyed their interaction together. But I have to say, I was thoroughly surprised and wowed by John Hamm. Mm. Now we know him from Mad Men, among other things, but he gave this this comedy a certain gravity to it. I know you're like, what? What does that mean? Just somehow he made it ultra real. I really believe that he was 
ridiculously a spy. I believe that, or maybe good or bad, I believe that he really wants uh, to strike up some sort of connection uh, with Zach. Whether he does that or not, we'll have to find out. Yeah. It was just enjoyable to watch him on the screen. And of course, Gal did an amazing job. This is what I'll end with the performances with. Watch out for the, the the cameos. Watch out because they're all they're nestled all over the place, and you're gonna thoroughly enjoy who pops up on the screen. Yes, literally in some cases. So uh, I agree. Everybody, look. Here's the thing: if you just want to laugh, go see this. That's what it is. It's not about it being perfect. It's really about just enjoying moments that are created. Is it a great film? No. Is it the funniest thing you've ever seen? No. But it is again gonna just make you laugh and and have fun with anybody you go to the movies with i completely uh concur with what the ref said about the performances i just love zach galifianakis i mean i just do the rest of the cast you said is great um isla fisher we know her from wedding crashers john ham has been doing a lot of different things comedically as well so that shows up here yeah i mean there's nothing more to say you got what right you got what you need right here on why watch that because we're gonna tell you that this friday October 21st, you can check out Keeping Up with the Joneses. And for me, the ref, I'm going to say, get your ticket and have a laugh. The Why Watch That Interview. Hey, everybody, we've got a special treat for you. Uh, The critic and I got a chance to see In a Valley of Violence. And it's coming to a theater or a TV set near you this Friday, October 21st. Yes, it's being released in theaters and on demand. Now, this is written, directed, edited, and produced by Ty West, who is on our show today. It stars Ethan Hawke, yes, John Travolta, Karen Gillian, um, Taita Farmiga, Vera's baby sister, Byrne Gorman, Toby Huss, and our other special guest, James Ranson. Welcome to Why Watch That, guys. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. We've seen uh, that a lot of films this year have been released both in theaters and on demand on the same day. This is for both of you or whomever wants to answer. How does a movie like In a Valley of Violence specifically play differently in the theater versus at home? Well, I would say as a filmmaker, you know, with any movie I make, I would say it's better to see it in the theater because, you know, that's how movies are meant to be seen. Uh, you know, we work very hard on what the movie looks like, what the movie sounds like. It's meant to be seen on a big screen and a loud sound. But all that aside, which is sort of a hopefully is obvious to everyone, <laughs> is that this movie in particular is a real, is me really sort of embracing my love for cinema in a way. And this is a movie that's really great to see with an audience because it is, it's, a, a, it, for some people, it's a little unexpected that there's so much sort of dark humor in it. And it's really great to be in a crowded room with a bunch of strangers. And when you think like that was kind of funny and you kind of laugh and you hear someone else do the same, there's a camaraderie to that. And there's an enthusiasm that the movie brings out of people that is really infectious and really exciting. And hopefully it reminds you why you love going to the movies uh, because we don't get those experiences as often anymore. And so, you know, it's great that in the sort of modern times you have access. If it's not in your city, you still watch it at home. And, you know, from a technical perspective, a lot of people have like, you know, pretty big TVs and some decent sound systems. So that makes me feel a little better as a filmmaker. But this this movie and the content of this movie um, in particular, uh, having traveled around the world with it over the last year and sort of the film festivals, it really is a movie that uh, audiences tend to embrace. So, James, you have lots of experience in both film and TV. So how is it uh, preparing to play a film character like Gilly 
How is that different from preparing to play a TV character? Time. You just have more time. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you just have more time to talk about it. And you have more time to... Well, it's, it's two different things, right? So it's like if you're lucky enough to like a bunch of seasons of TV, it becomes easier to get back into the character. But then if you're going to do a movie, it's that you have a little bit more time to think about it and develop it and start to ask some questions that I don't think the medium of uh, television allows you to do. Mm. You're getting rewrites constantly and you're getting new directors and there's so much, you know, it's like, okay, well, we're doing this today and you are you go, okay, well, I, I better make a whole new set of choices. Then. Wow. James, do you prefer one over the other? No, absolutely not. I mean, I'm, 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 probably in some ways like a lazy or disgruntled director at heart I went to film school <laughs> yeah. um, and not in the same way I think that other actors are I think other actors are actors that like to direct themselves because they feel that they're not where they should be I, I like working with artists you know what I mean like I like working with people that have and maybe that's too snotty of a term but I, I like working with people that have a, a consistent vision and, and their own style you know because I just I just respond to that because it, it feels um, you know it's like the difference between going into like a Walmart and like a mom and pop shop you're like oh this is <laughs> something you know what I mean yeah that's that's good cool so here on Why Watch That we always end our interviews by asking our guests what uh, which movies and TV shows they're watching right now so Ty and James what are you watching? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't actually watch a lot of TV. I know that that's the most annoying answer. Uh, the last TV show that I watched from beginning to end was I watched The Night of. Oh, uh, yes. I really like Richard Price. Uh, the last movie I saw in the theater was Hell or High Water. Ooh, uh, great. And then, and then the stuff that I've been sort of. The last thing that I watched that still is I'm thinking about almost on a daily level is Brazil. Wow. Um, I see. I also watched Night Up and I like that. I'd say um, what resonated with me the most recently, I really enjoyed uh, Louis C.K.'s series that he made for his website called Horace and Pete. I thought that was really terrific. And I recently saw, it comes out next year, but I saw this cool French cannibal movie called Raw that was pretty that was pretty great well as he ends on that that's actually the and without him telling me that I was actually going to chime in and say that that was the one movie I was looking forward to seeing oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's good great see ya this episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by audible.com the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Back to why watch that. Hey there, listeners. We have a special treat for you. We are sitting in with the wonderful director of a new movie called The Whole Truth, coming out this Friday, the 21st, in theaters, in select theaters, and on demand, so you can watch it. And <laughs> it stars Keanu Reeves, Renee Zellweger, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Jim Belushi, Gabriel Basso, great cast, 
and it's directed by the wonderful Courtney Hunt. Courtney, welcome to Why Watch That. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, okay, so the whole truth is essentially it's a thriller courtroom drama that peels back the layers of the truth behind the death of Boone, played by Jim Belushi. And to help you tell the story, you included some very familiar faces. Tell us how you, um, how you, along with Keanu, Rene, Guku, and Jim, became attached to the project. Well, um, we kind of, uh, we got Keanu after the film went down in, um, in Salem. It came back up with Keanu, so we were lucky enough to have him. I think he's a, he's dead on for how a lawyer looks and sounds in a courtroom. So that was just a wonderful thing that happened. And, um, Gugu sort of wanted the part, and I didn't want her to have it because she has an English accent, and she kept saying, no, you don't understand, I can do this. <laughs> and um, she basically convinced me. You know, she was very persistent in this. Now, Renee, I never thought of anyone else for her, because she, for this role, because she's, yeah. a, uh, because she's a Southern woman, and this is a specific kind of Southern woman with this vulnerability and this strength, she popped into my mind first, and that was that. Yeah. Um, I just never, ever considered anyone else. But in terms of Jim, you know, we were looking for someone and he was, he got wind of it and convinced me in a series of phone calls that he was as sinister as this character really is. And I was like, no, you're not. And he'd be like, no, I really am. And ultimately, it was so wonderful that that he did convince me and he, he did such a good job. It was so much fun to see him playing something completely opposite what we've ever seen. Yeah, I was just telling the the critic that I had never seen Jim quite like that, and I was really refreshed by it. I would like to see him more. I want to see him in more roles that are sinister. I know, me too, right? I really enjoyed it. It was so fun for him to play that opposite self, um, and he, he embraced it completely. And Gabe was just, we just found him, and he... He is just a naturally gifted yeah. star in the making. So this was your second feature film you directed with, of course, Frozen River, which you also wrote, being your first. While both were undoubtedly two different filmmaking experiences at different points in your career, tell us how you were able to build off of Frozen River and your television work onto this project. Well, I did a couple of episodes of Law and & Order, and I also worked on In Treatment with Gabriel Byrne. But these were things that often t took place in one room. Like I had a courtroom scene, I think, in Law and Order, a couple of them. So I learned kind of how to shoot in a room. That was helpful. Frozen River, we were trapped in a trailer <laughs> for many, many days. And I think it's important to, to, to have, if you feel trapped in a place, and the characters are feeling it, that the crew feel it, that we all feel it, and I think it feeds into the feeling of we cannot get out of this courtroom There's, mm. and the way we're walking out of here is going to change everybody's lives forever that to me was very important um i like trapping things in a small trapping people in a small place and seeing what happens <laughs> that sounds that sounds sinister courtney <laughs> it, does, it sounded way darker than i meant for it to <laughs> i don't do that very often i want a big expansive film for my next one. Well, Courtney, here on Why Watch That, we always end our interviews by asking our guests which movies and TV shows they're watching right now. So, what are you watching, Courtney? Oh my God. Um, I watch like foreign films. I don't watch TV that much. I watch PBS. I watch the news hour. You know, my daughter and I watch New Girl. Mm -hmm. We watch American Horror Story. We love yeah. that. 
I loved Bloodline. I couldn't stop watching that. I was addicted mm. to that like a drug. You know, I watched Getting On, which I don't even know if it's on anymore, but it was great. It's not, um, unfortunately, Courtney. No. Yeah. I watched Reno 911 run reruns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge bore. <laughs> no, that's great. A final why watch that sneak peek. Well, 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 listeners, guess what? The ref got to see, and you know, and I'm a little bit jealous. Oh, stop it. You saw stuff I hadn't seen. <laughs> she got to see a sneak peek of Jack Reacher never go back. Yes, you go back. You better not. You better watch your back. Starring Tom Cruise. Who else? Now, this is directed by Edward Zwick. Uh, he did not direct the first one. He's directing this one. Uh, it's written by committee. Richard Wink, Edward Zwick, has screenwriting credits, and Marshall Herskovitz. Uh, it also stars, in addition to Tom Cruise, Kobe Smulders, hmm, Patrick Husinger, Aldous Ooh. Hodge, Annika Yarosh, and Holt McElhaney. So tell us, Ref, is this worth our $15, as you love to say? <laughs> well, let's first start with the plot. Now, you have Jack Reacher. From the last movie you've seen, that he's not in London anymore, folks. He is in the U.S. of A, just hopping from place to place. He's a drifter. But we do see him aiding the military. He was a former military official in the Army. We see him aiding the military in a big heist or bust of a human trafficking uh, ring that he breaks up for the military. He's working with Colby Smulders, who is a major in the army. She's in the uh, police force, if you will, of the army. And he is aiding her to take down this trafficking ring. Now, as you see, they start to develop a long-distance fondness for each other via phone. Of course. And he decides, hey, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to go visit her and we can go have dinner. So he trucks, oh. yes, he trucks to D.C. only to find that she no longer works for the military. And even worse, she has been indicated in espionage and stealing information from the government and attempting to sell it. Now, he's not buying this, but the gentleman who breaks the news to him, who's taken her place, reveals that it is so and also opens up Jack Reacher's file. Uh-oh. Bum, bum, bum. Dirty little secrets that Jack Reacher has. <laughs> and one of those secrets, it's not so dirty, is a potential daughter. Someone, <laughs> yes, someone has filed... Um, child support and he had no idea it's been 15 years and that's where Danica comes in she may or may not be his daughter now pause with that Jack is not buying the fact listen he's not buying the fact that Colby Smulders would actually partake in those things so he goes on a mission and getting and I won't give it away he gets entangled in the mission and implicated in the mission and therefore they're all rogue at this point he snags his potential daughter, who he still doesn't know, her, along with um, a couple other folks, and they're on the run. Why? Because there is a rogue force in the military or operating slightly outside that's after them to kill them dead because they got in the middle 
of crossfire, shall we say. Now, I left that all vague and open because it's it's very detailed out. But folks, this is Jack Reacher. The bottom line is he is the good guy. He is going to accomplish his mission at any by any means possible. But does he risk too much in this movie? Did he go too far? And does he lose the people that he potentially loves in the process? Well, you're going to have to go to the movie to find that out. Now, there are bad guys. Patrick plays the hunter who's after him. I'm going into the performances now. And does a wonderful job of, of just hot on the trail, some great fight scenes. He just is who he is. Danica, fresh new face that we haven't seen much of. She plays a distraught 15-year-old girl who's been passed from foster home to foster home. And she doesn't know who her father is. Could Tom Cruise be her father? Who knows? But he does teach her a thing or two on the road as they're dodging the bad guy's bullets. Teacher Reacher? Teacher Reacher. And then you have um, Aldous Hodge, who is, you know, an underground. He plays the ranking officer in the military police who's after Jack Reacher and Colby Smulders. Does he get to them in time? No. Does he do a good job? Well, you're going to have to watch it to find that out. I will say that his performance was a little tricky, but he did have some great action scenes. And that leaves <laughs> us with the two. Yes. To wrap it up. Colby Smulders. Hello, hello, hello. She plays an amazing major in the army and you believe it she looks the part she sounds the part she acts the part and she's the only person who can go toe-to-toe with jack reacher and he ends up meeting her in a major way i bought the performance i can't wait to see more from colby and we'll end it with here tom cruise is tom cruise in this movie yes 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 most of the stunts that he's that you see on the screen is probably him He's probably doing it. Is it any different, really, really, from what he does as as Ethan in Mission Impossible? Well, you might have to go to the movies to see or find that out. I'll give you a hint. No. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, was Jack Reacher an enjoyable movie? It absolutely is. You can enjoy it in the movies. You can enjoy it at home. You can enjoy it when it pops up on the on the cable on cable somewhere. It really is one of those movies where you're gonna get enough action to get your money's worth. But I will warn you, the writing is a little challenging, but if you just go with it, go with the flow, suspend all belief, (laughs) then you may have a little fun this weekend with Jack Reacher. So I leave it into your hands. There you go. You heard it here and you heard it well from the ref. Jack Reacher, never go back. Opens in theaters. October 21st. Yes, this Friday. Maybe we'll see you in the theater. Maybe we'll see you at home watching it. I don't know. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.